so beautifully. Psalms 37, verse number 1 to verse number 8. It says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Amen. I felt like telling this to, to some people in my supermarket the other day. Fret not yourself. And here's how you do that. Verse number two, we're going to read down to verse eight. For they shall soon be cut off down, uh, shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself, there it is again, because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. And forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. Amen. Last week I talked about a certain sound. That in this day of uncertainty, we need to hear a sound of assurance. A message of certainty. I want to talk to you today, continuing on that. On the words, the five words that bring victory over worry. Five words that bring victory over worry. Let us pray one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that you would anoint your people and your servant. Speak to us once again, we pray. Anoint your servant, anoint your people for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can clap your hands one more time to the Lord. As you're seated, praise God. Amen. What we are seeing in our world is almost seems so unprecedented. Never seen the kind of hysteria and panic like we have seen. We are preparing ourselves to have to take measures necessary should the government clamp down. And it's interesting to see how life and society itself is now being, where well, we're seeing glimpses of, of government control. It may be that one day uh, we will not be able to do anything or, uh, or have church in the way that we want because of the restrictions of those that are in power. And the Bible talks to us about, in the book of Revelations, how uh, if we don't receive the mark of the beast, we cannot buy or sell. Amen. And so these are interesting times. Uh, these are times where we are needing to open our eyes. But remember that Jesus already talked about these times. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be pestilences or plagues 
unseen uh, that will uh, rack our world. But he said these are merely the beginnings of sorrows. And the end is not yet. But he said when you see these signs, amen, know uh, that your redemption is drawing near. Amen. It's, it's not very long to go. We are not very far. Praise God. And we, it's interesting that our theme for the year is together. <laughs> and that is being challenged. That is being questioned. We can't even shake hands anymore. Well, we can. I'm still defiant. <laughs> but for the sake of of showing due diligence, we are trying to uh, be cautious. There's faith and there's also wisdom. And also, we, we sent a message earlier that, you know, if you're an older saint, older member, that you can feel free to stay home. Because they're now saying to us that if you are older, that if you get this disease, this COVID-19, that uh, you could potentially die. And, of course, we have that already in our society. The fact of the matter is that the common flu kills more people than any of these. But in his book, The Honest Truth, about uh, talking about dishonesty, Dan Ariely said, he said this, and I quote, Over the course of many years of teaching, I have noticed that there typically seems to be a rash of deaths among students' relatives at the end of the semester. It happens mostly in the week before final exams and before papers are due. And guess which relative most often dies? Grandma. In fact, grandmothers are 10 times more likely to die before a midterm and a 19 times more likely to die before a final exam. Worse, grandmothers of students who are not doing well in class are at higher, even higher risk. Students who are failing are 50 times more likely to lose their grandmother than non-failing students. It turns out that the greatest predictor of mortality among senior citizens in our day ends up being their grandchildren's exam GPAs. So if you are a grandparent, don't let your grandchild go to college. That's the moral of his story. It will kill you, especially if you've got a grandchild who is lazy or dumb. They're not going to hand their exams in, and guess what their, their excuse will be? Yes, that's right. Grandma. <laughs> but but it's this, this worry, this fear that, that is saturating our world right now. We're seeing this pandemonium and anarchy and chaos on our streets and our shops. It's this worry that's going on. And, you know, worry is a thin stream, somebody says, of fear trickling through the mind. And I know we've been courageous and we try to, to block out every fear, but, but the little worry comes trickling in. Maybe even if it's just the worry of, of these people are going crazy buying up all the toilet paper. Do I have enough toilet paper? 
So you become one of those that goes to the supermarket to buy your, your supply, not because you want to overstock, because you simply have none left. And you feel like you've got to justify and say, no, 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 I, this is my only one. I, you know, I've really got none left. I'm not stocking up. I'm not a doomsday prepper. This, this is it, you know. Uh, but the worry, is, he says, is a, a stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Amen. Worry blocks out any thoughts of what God is able to do for us. Amen. Can I tell you, worry is, is the, the source of many ailments and many troubles, including many sicknesses. The people are tossing and turning all night, amen, not getting any good sleep because they're worried. And so the next day they get sick and they get frightened and, and they can't relax and their nerves are almost frayed and all of their bodily organs are at a stress level, high level, and they are filled with the worry and fear amen but can i tell you here today that you cannot allow the fear and pandemonium that we see in our world get into your heart and into your mind and i've simply come to preach this message to you today that we have nothing to fear amen but there's only one fear that ought to be directed and that's the fear of god and the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. I've come to tell you, if you don't want to preach to me today, that's okay. I'm going to preach to myself and remind myself you've got nothing to worry or be fearful about because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you get nothing else from this sermon, but if I can spend the next 20 minutes blowing fear out of our hearts, blowing fear out of our minds, I believe I've done the will of God. God sent me here this morning to remind you that God is still on the throne, that you can look at even death in the face and say, death, I've got nothing to fear. I've got God on my Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, yeah, I know we got a lot of warriors here. I'm not talking about the warriors W-A, but we got a lot of folk that are warriors W-O who worry, who worry themselves sick to death. You can literally see the gray hairs growing and the color literally changing in the mirror who are so afraid wrinkles begin to grow overnight because out of fear and out of trepidation. But I've come to sound a certain voice, a clear message today that comes on whatever you got to throw at me devil whatever evil whatever danger unseen and seen my God is able to see me through hallelujah glory to God don't be a people of worry 
Every time you worry, you ought to run into the presence of God. Every time that little voice in your head tries to tell you, oh, I don't know if you're going to have enough. Oh, you better watch out. And again, I'm not saying we shouldn't be careful. I've got my hand sanitizer in my pocket. Don't you worry. Not that that's going to help us from everything, but hear what the word of the Lord tells us. He said to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I want to do a little simple, a very simple Bible study. How to overcome fear. Number one, we read it already. Just simply trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord. The Bible says, and do good. So shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. Amen. Trust God. That is the basis of faith. Amen. We are a people of faith. I think we have more trust in that invisible virus that you can't even see. Amen. We've got more faith in that invisible virus. I know the world has, uh, but sometimes we can have more faith in something that we can't see that's negative than something that we can't see that's good and positive. Hallelujah. You've got to make up in your mind. You've got to establish in your heart. Heart, you're not going to allow the voice of worry to come in and flood in. And you got the voice saying, no, you're not going to make it. You're going to be sick. You know it. You've got to speak to that voice and say, I trust God. I trust the Lord. His word is forever established. I can trust his word because his word shall never fail. Oh, come on, somebody. You've got to preach to yourself you've got to start talking to your own spirit when you get home today get in the mirror and look at yourself and start to preach and say I'm a preacher and I'm gonna tell myself to trust in God hallelujah glory to God the basis of all Christianity is to trust in the face of uncertainty even when we can't see it yet I trust I don't know how I don't know where but I trust God that he's going to meet every need for me that he's gonna see me through every trial and I trust God enough that if he doesn't see me through the trial it's but he's gonna see me with in the midst of the trial that he's gonna help me I trust God to deliver me out of every circumstance but if he doesn't deliver me out of every circumstance I trust that he He's going to be with me when I breathe my last breath. When I step from this world into the next. you got to have that kind of trust. Come on, somebody. You've got to go beyond this childish, mamby-pamby kind of faith. You've got to have a, a bulldog kind of grip. An intestinal fortitude. A sense of, yes, I'm in this for the long haul. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I trust God to keep us from this corona. He kept me from corona. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But even if I get corona, I trust God. I mean, come on. 
I shouldn't even have to be preaching about this. The only reason I'm preaching about this is because our world is going haywire. It's going absolutely crazy. We know the facts. The chances of you dying from corona is so slim. We'll see through it. In fact, we can get to the point and say, come on, corona, come at me. I've got God. I've got the blood of Jesus. I'm not really saying, I'm not really saying come at me. You know what I'm talking about. I'd rather not have it. Yes, I'm not stupid. I might have trust, but I'm not stupid. But let me tell you, God will heal you of every disease. I trust God that the Bible says, by his stripes. Hallelujah. You know what that means? That means he went to the cross. That means he gave his life. He was whipped on his back. And if he is willing to do that for our healing, how much more will God heal? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you got to trust. Amen. I remember, you know, they're, they're thinking about canceling the Olympics. Thinking about, they, they've suspended the NBA. I'm like crying. I said, the NBA, no. Could be suspending the, uh, or postponing the Olympics. I remember back in 98, 1998, Winter Olympics, they had this thing called, they had featured what they called blind skiers that were being trained for slalom skiing. You know what that is? That's, you know, they go left, right, left, right, left, slalom ski. Like it's crazy. I, I've been to the snow twice in my life, and I didn't know anything about slalom. I just went straight down. <laughs> but these blind skiers, they learned to master that they had a sighted partner who would ski with them, beside them, simply shouting, left, right, left, right. And as they're obeying, and these guys are flying. They're going like 60, 70 kilometers an hour. And as they obeyed the commands, they were able to negotiate the course and cross the finish line. And depending solely on the sighted skier's word, it was either complete trust or complete destruction. <laughs> those, have you ever been on those mountains, those slopes there? <laughs> It was, so they had to listen to the instructions of the person skiing next. And if it got it wrong, if, you know, like, like my wife sometimes, sometimes she says, turn left, when really I meant right. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, right, right. That's after we hit the car. That's, I'm just kidding. But the skiers that were blind had to put complete trust. Listen to me. We are walking with an invisible God. You can't see him. Amen. But just like the skier, you, you've got to be able to listen out to the voice that's giving you instructions. We can't see him, but the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. 
Can I tell you that God is directing each and every one of us. He's got a plan for our lives. If you can learn to listen out and trust the voice of God, you say, well, I don't know. It's just a bunch of letters on a piece of paper in a book. I don't know if I should trust. Listen to me. If you trust him, if you put your faith in what you hear, when you read the word of God, he will direct you. He will, he, oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying. He will bring you to his desired location and destination. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm normally, I remember when, when Keanu was young, I told her, come on, come on, jump. I'll catch you. You know, she'd be over here on the stage somewhere. And I said, come on, jump. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like trying to tell her, no, you can trust me. I, I, I played basketball. I, I played football. I can catch. I'm not that bad. I don't have butter fingers. You can hatch me. And besides, that's my daughter. I'm not going to let anything happen to her. I'm going to make sure I catch her. She's not going to touch that ground. And, but she just couldn't find it in her heart. And I said, come on, just jump. And finally she did. And of course, I called her. And can I tell you, God is trying to tell somebody, trust me. Come on. Don't, don't, don't think I'm just some, that, that I've forgotten about you. Don't think that I lost your address. And I don't know what you're going through. Trust Trust me enough that I know everything that's going on in your life. Trust me enough that I know that you're struggling with fear and insecurity. That you're struggling with that relationship. Come on. He said, trust me and I will lead you through. And I will take care. Hallelujah. Trust it's the basis of your life. If we could see Jesus, then the, our faith would not be required. That's why the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It just makes it as clear as that. But if you can have faith, he says, all things are possible. Just by simply believing and say well you know that brother's got faith over there and that sister she's a woman of faith uh, who is responsible for the amount of faith that you have amen can i tell you it comes down to your will and your desire amen I i've learned i've walked with god long enough to understand that if i can be a stubborn to believe god that he's gonna meet every need for me that if i could be stubborn enough to trust him with my future even when the day looks dark even when the circumstances look bleak yet I can trust him that there's going to be a better tomorrow if I wake up in the morning and I'm able to open my eyes and take a breath that I can trust that God has another day for me in store if you are alive today I've come to tell you he's got a future he's got a plan Oh, that's about 50% of you. If you think he's got nothing for you, that's fine. But if there's anybody in here that believes that God has a plan, has a future, has a destiny, would you wave your hand and would you thank God? Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I trust him. I believe him. And his word, that I'm going to be okay. 
But if I'm not, if I get this virus and somehow it kills me, it's okay. Don't cry for me, Argentina. As Evita Peron said. Because death is, is not a sad place. It's, it's merely our graduation. It's what we've been waiting for. Because the moment I leave this world and I step into his presence, oh, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to look in his face. No more sickness. No more love handles. I don't know. Maybe I'll still have it. No more diabetes. No more high blood pressure. All of that is gone. I'm in the presence of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to start looking at your life through the lens of eternity. You've got to start looking at your situation through the lens of eternity. Hallelujah. Because when you do, Brother Psycho always used to say, a hundred years from now is not going to matter. Amen. Whatever you're going through right now won't matter in a hundred years from now. Amen. So you might as well praise the Lord. You might as well worship God with everything that you got. Amen. Yeah, sure, we can't always buy the luxuries of life. We can't always have the things that we want. Amen. We won't always make everybody happy, but that's okay. Because my God has still got an eternity that's waiting for me. Amen. But I don't intend to die early. Just, just let it be noted. <laughs> I don't want you all bearing me. I'll bear you guys instead. <laughs> but if it is, comes time to my funeral, you young ones, listen to me. One of you guys might be the pastor of this church one day. I don't know. But if my funeral comes, don't be sad. Amen. Let's have a Pentecostal worship. <laughs> Rejoice. Yeah, you'll be sad because you're going to miss me, right? Yeah, whatever. Sure. <laughs> Amen. But there's going to be a rejoicing. I'll be looking down at heaven for you all. Don't cry. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Oh, I got to get to my message. I'm sorry. Number two. I'm, I'm going to rush through this, I promise. Verse number four. Here's what you got to do. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart not only do you trust God here it is but you delight in yourself in the Lord that means you don't come to church you don't come to the house of God or you don't go into your prayer room just so you could do your time, just so that you can clock and do your time and, and, and feel like your, your reservation in heaven is still there. That's not why we come to church, and that's not why we pray. That's not why we walk with God. But we do this because it is our delight. Amen. It's not a burden. Come on, somebody. It, it, it's, it's not laborious. It's not a duty. Oh, I got to pray. Oh, I got to come to the house. It, it, it's not. It says delight. That means you've got to have enjoyment. You've got to take pleasure. Can I tell you here today that going into the presence of God, it is not a burden. It's a delight. It's a joy. Hallelujah. 
Come on, somebody. I'm talking to somebody. I've come to help somebody right now. You've got to start to change the way that you see prayer. Prayer's not a duty. A prayer's not, oh, I got to do my time. No. Prayer is access to the joy of our salvation. It means, God, I'm enjoying worshiping the Lord with my brothers and sisters. It's a delight. Oh, hallelujah. That's what makes a difference with us Pentecostals is we love to worship God. We love to praise. It's a joy. I'm not doing this just so I can get something. I enjoy worshiping God. Hallelujah. It's a delight. It's a joy. You know, we're, like, I don't know about what women are like, but you know, man, <laughs> you know, when we got to travel somewhere far, you know, it's like, it's like an adventure. It's like a journey. I got to get there. Oh, man, did you see, Brother Greg, I made it to Canberra in two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> like, wow, I saved 15 minutes. And so often we can look at the journey of the, trying to get, oh, when, when I get my, my degree, when I am able to put a deposit on a house, and we often measure our lives by these kind of milestones. And so often we miss the journey for the sake of the destination. Amen. We miss the, the, the beautiful scenery that's going by when we're sitting on the train. Uh, you know, I, I've always I told my wife this. We should take my son. You know, my son, he loves trains. We should take him on the Indian Pacific. That, that means taking the train from the Pacific Ocean all the way to the Indian Ocean. And they told me, you know, for three days, all you see is red dust. There's nothing much to see. I said, but that's okay. If my son's there, he's going to enjoy the journey, even if we miss it sometimes. Can I tell you, you've got to enjoy the journey of life, even if it's Monday morning going to work, even if I got to get up and go to the office and go to the warehouse can I tell you, don't wait. Oh, yeah, I can't wait till Sunday, and praise God for Sunday. I can't wait till I get married, and thank God that we get married. I can't wait till Brother Green comes, and thank God for evangelists. But we're always looking for that destination. You've got to start to enjoy the journey now. Don't miss the flowers along the way, because you might just miss the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But I got some good news for you because the journey and the destination, it's all in Jesus. He is the destination. He is the goal. The goal is not money. The goal is not your degree. The goal is not your ministry. The goal is Jesus. Hallelujah. He is the goal. He is the destination. And he's with us in the journey. We can talk to him every day. Hallelujah. I, I got to close. I got three more. Hallelujah. He said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When I first read that as a young Christian, I said, oh, man, that means I got to go to church so I can get my dream job and I can marry my dream girl. If I delight myself, he'll give me whatever I want in my heart. That's not what it means. It means the word delight actually means 
to be pliable like clay when you become soft in the presence of God. Not this hard, staunch like you used to be in the nightclubs. That's when I first came to Australia, 16 years of age. That's the first place I went to was King's Cross, the nightclubs. And I was introduced to this word I'd never heard of, staunch. All these Kiwis. Just, he goes, my mate Mo, you know, he, he, he said to me, yeah, bro, you got to act staunch like me. Otherwise, you're going to get jumped. I'm a little guy. I'm not a big guy. So... But I thought to myself, what's the point of acting staunch if I can't back it up? <laughs> There's going to be somebody else more staunch. <laughs> but you can't be staunch in the presence of God. Nobody ever comes to God with pride in their hearts. It doesn't work. That's why you often, you look around, you ask these folks around in this church, it always, you ask them, how did they come to know Jesus? It's it, because there was a crisis in their life. Might, might not be a big crisis, it could be a small crisis, but it was a crisis enough. Maybe it was a religious or spiritual crisis that caused them to pull down their pride long enough for them to hear the gospel and say, yes, God, I need you. Amen. There's only one thing that will stop God from coming into your life, and that's pride, and that's arrogance. But let me tell you, if you humble yourself, the Bible says he will lift you up. He will be drawn. He resists the proud, the Bible says, but he gives grace to the humble. When he sees the humble, he delights. He's enjoying. He takes pleasure in the worship of his saints. Glory to God. And when you do, he gives you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean he gives you the numbers of the lottery. He doesn't give you the Powerball supplement. It means he gives new desires in your heart. That's what, what I used to want when I, even as a young Christian, after a while, I don't want those things anymore. My, my, my perspective changes. My, my desire changes. The thing, I used to want some of the beggarly elements of the world, but when, when I came to God, he starts changing me from the inside, and he starts putting desires in there, desires that I never used to have. He puts desires in there to love people. I used to be such a selfish kid. He puts desires in there to want to serve him and to, to give and to sacrifice. He puts desires in there. I've got to hurry to a close. Just three more, I promise. The uh, Westminster Catechism says, what is, ask the question, what is the chief end of man? What is the purpose of man? Have you ever asked that question? And they came up with this, and I, I think it's pretty good. It says, a man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Hallelujah. This is the kind of enjoyment that's not going to give you a hangover the next day. This is the kind of enjoyment that's not going to leave you breathless, full of regrets. But this kind of enjoyment, it will last. It will be, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength. Hallelujah. I, I've got to hurry.
Praise God. Number five. Commit yourself. Verse number five, rather. Point number three, and I'm going to hurry. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That's the third thing you got to do is, be, is commit. Trust. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your ways unto God. Commitment means to entrust somebody with something. If you give God your life, if you give him control of every part of your life, he will lead you and bless you. I, I, love, I love using sports analogies. You know, some people hate it. It's always talking about sports. I'm sorry. I'm just bloke. <laughs> One of my favorite sports I play is tennis. I'm not, I'm not too bad at it. One thing we learn about tennis is, is you, you can't, there's a place, there's an area on the tennis court called no man's land. Okay, no man's land is in between the baseline and right in the front near the net where you can volley the ball. And so good tennis tells you you've got to either be at the baseline as a baseliner or you've got to be at the net to volley any of the balls coming your way. But if you're caught in between, it's called no man's land. And without a doubt, majority of the time, people lose their points when they are in no man's land. Because you don't know whether it's a volley or not. You don't know where, where to, for it to bounce. If it bounces, you, don't, you have to half volley. You don't have much room. You don't have much time. But, but it's, it's the worst place to be. And it's the same in our walk with God. In fact, it's the same with life. You, you, you can't be in the middle. You, you've got to decide. You've got to make up your mind. Either God is God or he's not. If he's not God, go out and do something else. Go make some money. Give, me, give us some of it. Go do whatever you want to do. But if he is God and his word is forever settled, then you've got to get both feet. You can't be dwelling in no man's land. You've got to decide to be where you want, what God wants you to be. You've got to be committed to this thing. Amen. God's not after fair weather friends, you know, who only want to serve God when there's a crisis, you know, when they got no money and, and the marriage is on the rocks. Oh, then I'll come to church. I'll serve God. No, he's not looking for fair weather friends. He wants some people, some folk that are going to be committed that when they're even on the mountaintop, they're going to worship God. Or if they're way down in the valley, they're still going to worship God. You've got to get both feet. Let me tell you, there's power in commitment. If you're not going to be committed, you'll never see God intervene in your life. If you're always going to be in no man's land, you'll never see the glory of God. But when you are committed, come hell or high water, God will see you through. Oh, hallelujah. Brother T.F. Brother Tenney preached a wonderful message about commitment. Changed my life. He, he said this, the difference between involvement and commitment is like break, the breakfast of bacon and eggs. The chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. God calls commitment. In the Greek word committed in 1 Peter chapter 2, 23, the Greek word is paradidomai. Did I say that right? Paradidomi. Paradidomi. Ella, ella, re. Sorry, brother. 
It means literally to give. I give. And commitment is about giving your life. Don't give your life to stuff that's, that's going to not satisfy, that's going to leave you empty and miserable. But Jesus Christ is worth giving your whole life for. That's why that woman with the alabaster box, she broke the alabaster box in front of the Jesus' feet. And you know what his disciples said? What a lot of religious folks say. Why was this waste made? What a waste. What they were saying was what she did was more valuable than the person she did it for. When you say something's a waste, it means you paid too much for something. It's, it wasn't worth that. So what the disciples were saying was that Jesus was not worthy of what she did. Because that alabaster box and the perfume that it contained, was, was, it has been well documented. It could have cost a whole year's wage for this woman. But she broke it because she had a revelation of who Jesus was. And you know what Jesus said? He said, wherever the gospel is preached, you tell the story about this woman. Why? Because she gave her all. She was committed to the Savior. Why? Because she saw him. She had a revelation that he is, in fact, God, that he was the Messiah. I wish to God today that you would open your eyes to see that he is God, that he loves you. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I got to rest. I got to stop. The last one is rest. Fourth, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The, the fifth one is, the word rest, the fifth one is to cease from anger. And I'm, I'm going to continue that next week. The rest in the Lord. The word rest can also be translated in English as relax. You can Relax. In the Lord, you can trust him just like, you know, a little baby. It, it, you know, a little, little baby infant, little Malachi, it's in, it's in mom and dad's arms. And Ma Malachi's not going, oh, God, how am I going to pay the bills? <laughs> Malachi's not, not waking up at night, Mom, how are we going to get toilet paper? <laughs> it's like, you don't have to worry, you wear nappies, it's fine. But the kind of rest a little baby would show to its, its carers. It says to relax and lean. There's an old, uh, old song. It's called uh, uh, Leaning on His Everlasting Arm. We can lean on His arm by resting in God. Yes. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 9. I've got two more scriptures and I promise I'm closing. Musicians, you want to come. Isaiah 28 and 9 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Do you know doctrine saves? Teaching is what saves you and I. It says, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. And then he says, For precept must be upon precept. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's talking about the establishment of God's word and teaching and doctrine. For with stammering lips... Lips to stammer, and another tongue, speaking in tongues, will he speak to this people? To whom he said, this, what's this? The stammering lips in a new tongue. This is the rest. There it is. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. The rest that we find 
that he's prophesying about. It's about the rest from our sins, the burden of sins. You've been carrying the sins like, like, like a 40-kilo bag on your back. Some of you may be carrying it for the last 40, 50 years of your life. And he says, I've come to give you rest from that heavy burden by forgiving you of your sins, removing every sin, by simply coming to God and repenting. Say, God, I'm sorry. And I trust God enough that at that point when I say, God, I'm sorry, I'm repenting of my sins, he takes my sins, removes it from my burden, from my back. Or maybe if you've never had your sins washed away, you can have it removed in baptism. When you step in the waters of baptism, we, we dedicated a baby early today. We don't baptize babies, but as an adult, you can be baptized. And Cornelius said to, uh, he said to Paul, he said, arise, what are you waiting for? Get up. Wash away your sins by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've never had your sins washed away, your sins are still there. You're not going to have the rest, the relaxation that God had promised to his people. But you can have it washed away in baptism today. Or if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you can have this gift that he's talking about with stammering lips and with a new tongue. You'll begin to speak in other tongues. Hallelujah. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think I'm the only one. Anybody else thankful for the gift of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet? Here it is. Here's my final passage of Scripture. I want you to meditate on this Scripture all week. This, this is our Scripture. This is our word against this corona. Psalms 91 and 1. I'm going to read it from another version. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. That means you could be wandering around in the wilderness in the hot desert sun, but there's going to be a shadow over you wherever you go. You know, it's like this. You never see, remember those cartoons? And they have like, you know, the rain clouds on somebody. You know, wherever they go, and everybody else doesn't have the rain. That's going to be like you, God's spirit. He's going to be a shadow wherever you go. There you go. That's what he was in the wilderness for the children of Israel. Remember the pillar of cloud by day? He says, those who live, you got to live in this. Amen. You want to be free from this disease? Let me tell you, spend an hour, two hours a day in prayer. Oh, i got to do two hours. No, delight yourself. Get in the presence of God. Let me tell you. Viruses can't live in acid, isn't that right? <laughs> and it can't live in the presence of God either. So, man, I'm surrounded. Maybe you're at work. You're surrounded by people who got corona. I'm going to saturate myself in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to dwell. He that dwells in the secret place. What's that? That's your prayer room. We sit in heavenly places. Hallelujah. There's something, oh, I wish I had time to preach. There's something different about you. You sit, the Bible says, in heavenly places. You might just be sitting on a Tangara or, or those Waratah trains. I know all the trains because of my son. You might just be sitting there. But let me tell you, you are also sitting in heavenly places. You, you, there's another dimension to you that you can't see with your eyes. It's the Holy Ghost. Oh, 
I, I, I'm not going to keep you standing for much longer, but listen, watch this. This I declare, verse number two, about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. You hear those words of commitment? And I trust Him. For He will rescue you, watch this, from every trap and protect you. There it is. Amen. You, you know, I, I got one of those masks too. You know, I got the goggles. I was going to take it to Israel. But he says, he will protect you. Watch this. From, from deadly disease. The King James says, pestilence or plague. He's going to protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you don't have to be a bubble boy. You don't have to get an astronaut suit. But his faithfulness is our armor. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Do not dread the disease, watch this, that stalks in darkness. In other words, don't be afraid of the invisible plague that you can't see nor the disaster that strikes at midday though a thousand fall at your side though ten thousand are dying around you oh man these evils come on somebody I'm proclaiming this over every member of this church these evils will not touch you just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Come on, that's for me. Come on, somebody, somebody touch your chest and said, that's mine. That's for me. I'm almost done for he will order his angels to protect wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. Where's Brother Matt at? You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your... Hallelujah. If you believe that's for you, come to this altar. You want the Holy Ghost? Come out of your seats and come to this altar. Come on, if you want the Holy Ghost, if you want to repent of your sins, if you want God to be your dwelling place, to Him that you delight after, hallelujah, come out of your seats and begin to pray. Seek after the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, it's time for you to delight yourself in God. Humble your heart. If there's hardness in your heart, put it back on the potter's wheel. Let it be melted again until he molds you again until he shapes you come on delight yourself in the lord it doesn't say be arrogant in the presence of the lord it doesn't say to be be proud in the lord but delight yourself like putty like clay be malleable be pliable oh hallelujah he 
Glory to God, glory to God. the Spirit of God is moving. Let him do with your heart. Let him touch your heart right now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I trust you. I trust the Lord. to him. Wherever you are, call upon his name. 